0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and of course for salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales paint? <laughs> oh. Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is a blend of two of our series, We have our sales leaders talk sales, which is always my favorite to pronounce and speak since it has so many S's in it. And we're also going to be doing our advice from authors because today's guest is both of those things. This is Rebecca Toomey and today I'm talking to Brian Robinson. And Brian is a sales and marketing expert, a best-selling author, and a coach. He has worked for some of the best-known companies in the world like Coca-Cola USA and Johnson & Johnson. And upon leaving his corporate career, he helped launch a successful startup where he was the first person in the history of the industry to sell more than $1 million in business in 12 months entirely by phone. Yes, entirely by phone. Cold calling works, people. He has over two decades of in the trenches, battle-tested, face-to-face, and phone presentation experience that really can benefit virtually anyone And we can't wait to hear more on this. From Fortune 500 companies to entrepreneurial ventures and everything in between. Brian is the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, The Selling Formula, Five Steps for Instant Sales Improvement. And Brian lives with his wife, Cindy, in Oklahoma City, and they have eight children. Yes, eight, which could be a topic entirely in and of itself on a podcast but we're we're gonna talk about some other things today and some of that. So Brian, thank you so much for being here today.
1: It's a pleasure an honor thanks for having me
0: Of course this is awesome I can't wait to talk to you more and really you have such a cool story Brian. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and hearing about your experiences your lessons learned your successes. I know our audience is really in for a great show. And especially, this is actually something that I had shared with you. When I started reading your book, I was immediately sucked in, absorbed in. And it was one of those things that I thought going into it, all right, you know, I'll I'll read a little bit now and a little bit later. And then I couldn't read a little bit later because I wanted to read it now. (laughs) So thank you for writing such an awesome book.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It was. Uh, I wish I could say it was easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, I'll be asking you some questions about that a little bit later, but I'd like to start this show off by just asking you to share a little bit about how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. As you uh, mentioned in the opening, um, my initial career was with Coca-Cola USA out of college, and then uh, worked for them for several years. Kind of cut my teeth. In selling, and then transferred out of there, left them, and went to work for Johnson and Johnson, where I was in four different divisions, and three of those were startups. And um, I thought I knew how to sell because the awards and whatnot said that when I was with <laughs> Corporate America. But the the third piece is a friend of mine reached out and asked if I would help him with a startup, and after much consideration and prayer. We decided to take the jump, my wife and I, and um, then I realized I really didn't know how to sell (laughs) because in the entrepreneurial world, if you don't sell, you don't eat and you go from a company car um, being part of a multi-billion dollar company with benefits, salary, and commission to if you don't sell, you don't eat. So It was Mm -hmm. an incredible wake-up call, a very humbling experience for me and incredible learning experience at the same time. And the whole outgrowth of that was the codification of the process I developed to survive and thrive in that environment. (laughs) And that's in the selling formula.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I'd love to know when your passion for sales as an industry and business, when did that really begin for you?
1: It happened with Johnson and Johnson and, the impetus for that was I, I started to recognize that the questions that I asked the physicians I worked with and the surgeons, the more I focused on the questions I asked in order to get a product into the operating room, for example, mm-hmm. the, the more in tightly I was able to connect with my prospect and get a deal done. Let me give you an example. One of our chief competitors at the time was U.S. Surgical. They had a device for hernia repair that was done laparoscopically through ports and a video camera. Our our product, however, was clinically superior. We knew it. All the data showed it. So how do you go to a surgeon and tell them that the product they're using is inferior? Mm. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. What what I did was I sat down and I, I made a commitment to come up with the very best series of questions I could to move them in the direction of giving our our product a try. Mm-hmm. And I kept honing that and reviewing it. And what happened as a result is my trials, evaluations doubled. And as a direct result, my sales doubled. So people started hearing about that within the organization. And I passed on that list of questions to other salespeople, mm-hmm. And they got the exact same results if they followed the questions in order. Wow. So essentially, it was a script of questions and yeah. it worked. That's so awesome. that. I became very fascinated with the capability of questioning in the context of sales.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I want to jump in here. We have a lot of listeners that have the Calavia Sales Playbook, which is a place to put your tools and scripts. And exactly what you're talking about right here, Brian, is the perfect thing that belongs inside an organization's sales playbook, the winning questions that it takes to ask the right things to uncover that pain or to uncover what they are looking to achieve with a product or a service. So if you're listening, you've got a sales playbook or you don't have a sales playbook, get one and throw your best questions in there. But of course, you're going to have to read Brian's book to learn how to develop these questions, right? Absolutely. <laughs> that's right. And now I know that you have experienced a lot of change in your career. You know, as you've gone from corporate to a startup, that's a big, huge change. I would love to know more about some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in your career.
1: Great question. There's really three overriding lessons that I think I've learned over the years. Number one is, and I just mentioned this, questions are the absolute key. To your selling success. Mm. I can't overemphasize that. In fact, one of my favorite personal sayings is questions are the key to life. Secondly, quit wasting time with unresponsive prospects. Mm. Get rid of your hopeless, get a yes or a no. And Let me give you a story about this. I have a friend of mine who was in the insurance industry. He was struggling to get people to say yes. So he made a decision that he was going to quit his insurance business and the way he was going to do that was call every single person on his hope list and get them to say yes or no. So he literally pulled his phone book out, called everybody that was on his list and said, I just want to find out if you're still interested or not. I'm good either way. <clears throat> and he okay. was disconnected from the outcome. Okay. What happened was people started saying yes. He broke his quota for the month <laughs> and then he actually went on to become the number one performer in the entire country. Wow. Wow.
0: That's amazing. There's something,
1: yeah, there's something psychologically powerful about getting disconnected from the outcome and just getting an answer and quit playing with this hope list, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the third thing is, the third lesson is big doors turn on small hinges. And what I mean is you could literally be one idea, one question, one tweak away from a breakthrough. In fact, I really think that's true for most people. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to do well in what they're doing, but I think a slight adjustment, similar to what happened with Johnson and Johnson, if you can just put the questions in a different order, or start asking a different question, that could be all you need to literally double or triple your outcomes. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Now, yeah. I'm so to... those are the. Th- go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Those are the three biggest lessons I've discovered.
0: I have a follow-up question for you and it, it's kind of related to your book. So I, I thought about saving it for a little bit later since we're going to be talking more about the selling formula. But I, I feel like now is probably the right time because you you hit on something where you were talking about our thoughts and what we think and our perception and how he had this you know mentality going into it that he was finally disconnected from the decision. And I really mm-hmm. loved that part of your book where you, you talk about pre-call ceremony and preparing for calls and how you had a breakthrough yourself where you realized that when you were calling and you changed your intentions and your thoughts, things went differently. Could you share a little bit more about that?
1: Yes. That's related to the pre-call mindset. And what I found is before you ever open your mouth, walk into an office or pick up the phone, before you ever open your mouth, you are telegraphing and transmitting your heart for somebody. They'll pick up on how you're feeling about them. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that if you if you take some time to calm yourself and start liking this person you're about to connect with, this other human, mm-hmm. and caring about them in advance and even pray for them, pray for the outcome of your meeting, mm-hmm. it can dramatically shift the whole front-end interaction, which is critical for building trust in the entire sales conversation. And the beauty of this is it's not, it's not fake or false. You're doing this because you deeply care. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you go in there with the idea that you deeply care, you're going to automatically be in a position of serving instead of being self-serving. It tends to work that way. And people pick up on that. And right. it can be Absolutely. a great like thing for you focus that way yeah it's
0: it's a that's an an amazing perspective and I like the way that you can very succinctly explain and just speak about it it was really it was great to read it and now you're recounting it here in words and over the phone and it's just um it's such an important point and I think it's something that we don't talk about enough in the sales community you know we're always we're focused on the tactics that we need to get people to buy and Mm. it really it's it starts before that it starts before the conversation it starts with the intention and mm-hmm. I, I just really like that you're thinking about it from that perspective and especially I would like to point out to people Again that most of the selling that you were doing Brian was over the phone So you, it's not like you, these were people that you knew that you got to think beforehand You know I know this about this person I know this you're you were doing this from ground zero from I don't know anything about this person But I'm going to think good thoughts and have good intentions about helping this person
1: Yes yeah. Which,
0: awesome. I love it. So I have another question for you about your experience and kind of what has changed and what you've learned. And I'm wondering, what do you think it takes to be successful in business and in life? Oh,
1: that's a loaded, (laughs) loaded question. (laughs) It's a big one. You know, it's, there's some, there's some, I think, really critical principles that have anchored my life. And they're not... They're not easy principles. There's three of them. First, you have to be honest with yourself. What I mean is you have to be brutally honest about what's working and what's not in your life. I think that we play a game with ourselves and we deceive ourselves very often with what's happening in our lives. So the first step is to be very honest in terms of viewing the landscape of your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. The second is you have to take 100% ownership of your actions. Don't play the victim. You always have the ability to choose, even if you don't think you have a choice. You still have a choice. I can't. I can't emphasize that strongly. Um, hundred percent ownership of actions, mm-hmm. which means that you always have the ability to choose. Do not be the victim. Absolutely. And then third, and probably over overriding all of this is my favorite two-word. Um sentence, if you will, embrace struggle. Mm. And that's not popular. <laughs> but honestly, if, if, if we're all sincere about looking at our lives in the past, I think we could all agree that the points at which we had the greatest struggle were the points at which we had the greatest growth and breakthrough. That's true. And, and right? So as the saying goes, without resistance, you can't get stronger when it comes to weightlifting or any other sport. And Mm -hmm. so if you look at it as struggle, as resistance, and flip it around and say, this was meant to help me, not hurt me, and I can grow from it, it can change your whole perspective.
0: Wow. You are such a wise man. You know that? (laughs) It's like, I want to call you Brian Yoda or something. I love
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) scary. You're absolutely right about that. I
0: mean, we, we go through struggles in our personal lives and our professional lives and What a difference it makes to change that perspective to say wow, I'm suffering. This is so hard. This is the worst versus What is the lesson here? Why am I being tested? What am I being put through right Mm -hmm. now? What am I learning? What what can I take out of this situation? Um, We haven't talked about this yet Brian and I'll throw this into the show notes for our audience but last January we actually focused a lot on how change is an opportunity we did a webinar called seven ways to use change as an opportunity and there is also an ebook about it so i'll throw those in the show notes and you can find that at criteriaforsuccess.com/pod127 but i think that that was such an important topic to talk about then and now that you know we've become very uncomfortable with this idea of change change you know we get used to things being the same and everything's comfortable and just when everything gets comfortable something changes and now we're uncomfortable uh-huh. again And that we really Mm -hmm. should embrace that and look for the opportunities in those times where we can pivot and become better. As you said, where can we grow? How can we grow from this experience?
1: Right. So,
0: yeah, that's great. That's great. And, of course, all month we are talking and focusing um, on improving collaboration within organizations As someone who's been able to close a million dollars in business over the phone, over the phone, I have to repeat that many times to people because a lot of people like to think you can't sell over the phone, you can. You've obviously got some skills that people can learn from, Brian. and In fact, you're an author, we've been talking about that. And I'm just gonna start to transition into asking you some questions about your impactful book. Um, Again, it's called The Selling Formula. But first, before we transition, I'd really love to know if you could share a little bit more on why lesson sharing is among teams is so important. And before I turn that question over to you, I want to point out something that you've already said, which was sharing those winning questions with your team. That was a form of collaboration that not only did It worked it was something that worked for you. You were able to take that to your team and make your team and your organization stronger by sharing. So you've already given us something, but could you share a little bit more on why you think lesson sharing is so important?
1: Sure. I found that no matter how big or small your team, salespeople can feel very isolated and lonely at times. In fact, a lot of times. And Chances are that your associates are dealing with the exact same challenges you are, but they may not want to admit it for fear of being the only one with that challenge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when a lesson is shared, it usually addresses something everyone's already dealing with. So what it does is it brings hope because you're not the only one dealing with it. And then it creates motivation, which makes the entire team better. So sharing, lesson sharing, I think is critical to the whole team, getting hopeful and motivated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's that's so important because, again, we've, we're quite isolated uh, in our silos as salespeople, mm-hmm. regardless of whether we're part of a, quote, team or not. It's just a very individual sport, if you will.
0: Yeah, definitely. Is there a way for salespeople to shortcut their ability to gain success?
1: I think there are. There's cert- several ways. Um, one is, one of the most effective ways I discovered was keeping a sales journal. Okay. And so after you walk out of a call, open up your journal and write down, debrief yourself on the call. Write mm-hmm. down the, the highlights of the call. And as, as soon as you put pen to paper, what you'll find is you'll, you'll know exactly where you could have done better. And the second thing, and this, this can be scary because it forces you to get outside of your own bottle, but is record yourself and listen to yourself.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So pull
1: out your phone, and you can do that with stealth, right? You can record yourself on your phone in a conversation um, when you're in front of somebody or over the phone, of course. And that that was one of the scariest things I did years ago to try to help myself get better, was recording myself. I was embarrassed listening to some of the things I said, and it immediately allowed me to make quick changes. Mm-hmm. And And thirdly, this has been something that's mystified me having worked for major corporations not one corporation that i worked with nor i've ever heard nor have i ever heard of a corporation doing this have they recorded their top salespeople, the ones that are most duplicatable mm-hmm. that are at the top mm-hmm. and then send out and send out that recording to the field sales force and say i want you to listen to this at least 20 times i want you to own the language the cadence the order of everything that's being done here, and duplicate it. Now, I don't mean throw throw away your personality, yeah. but listen to it. And Perfect example. I've got a gentleman years ago on our team. I recorded a presentation for one of the services we sold. I gave it to him. He told me he listened to it no less than 50 times on the road, and his sales tripled and became salesman of the year the next year.
0: Wow. That's amazing. You know, we had, you and I have talked about this before about this idea of being prepared and that a lot of people think that preparing makes them seem fake, but it's just like, you know, if you are an actor or even in singing, I'd like to give this example because I think it's a little uh, less obtrusive than I guess the acting example would be. Um, But I'm working with my church right now to on some singing stuff and i'm learning to harmonize and the way that you learn to harmonize if you don't know how to do it is our our lead the the woman who's training me on how to do this she's sending me voice memos on how to sing a harmony which is completely different from the melody and i just have to listen to it and practice it over and 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 it's not because you know it's uh like she wants me to be her identical twin, it's because when a harmony and a melody meet together, it's a beautiful, beautiful sound. And I think mm-hmm. that in the same way, preparing your sales calls and preparing your scripts and knowing what you're going to say, it doesn't mean that you are scripted and that you are fake. It means that you're practicing and that you care.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: I mean, because we're doing it, it with also, good intentions, right?
1: Absolutely. And I, I found that if you... St- there's a lot of people that say scripting is dead, don't use scripts, you're stupid if you use scripts. Well, I disagree. I think what using a script and having that framework in your mind does is it allows you to pivot faster. Mm-hmm. It allows you to go back to answers that it's not fake. These are true answers, but you've got them in your brain and you don't have to reach for them. And it makes the conversation flow much, much better when you have all that information already owned.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, and you have a mission and a goal for your, your visit or your call as well. I mean, how many salespeople, I mean, there's a, it's notorious that you've got the just saying hello, just saying hi, just popping in as kind of this annoying salesperson trait, right? It's because people don't have an intention. They don't have a goal or a purpose, a reason. They're just, you know, trying to keep people warm. But even in those touch points, you can still have a goal or a purpose. It's all about having
1: intention. Right on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, your book, let's talk about your book now Selling Formula Five Steps for Instant Sales Improvement. Again, I have to just throw this out there to you guys. I absolutely loved and enjoyed this book and perspective. It's so well written, it's easy to read, it is very engaging. So, I'm not saying this lightly. Jump in our show notes. I'm linking, I'll have throw a link in there for you guys to get to the book on Amazon. And again, the show notes are criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod one two seven. But I really, you know, I want to focus on a couple of different areas. You know, if you're a sales manager and you're listening in, this is going to help you with new hires and training and preparing great processes and best practices for your team. And if you're in sales or you're a business developer you're selling now, it's absolutely going to give you some tools to hit the ground running right away, which is awesome. So again, check those show notes to grab a copy. But I'm going to go ahead and get started by asking you, you know, most people probably ask you what motivated you to write this book. I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently. I'm going to ask it to you like this. What motivated you to become an author? (laughs) Because it's a lot of work. (laughs)
1: Oh, it's a lot of work. Um, You know, it's interesting. I didn't really seek to be an author, Rebecca, as much as I desired to help as many people in the selling profession as I could. That was the the heart of my motivation. So I think becoming an author was the best mechanism to make that happen. So if there was a different mechanism, I would have perhaps chosen it. But this being an author is what I think is is allowing me, hopefully will allow me to continue to, help as many people as possible because awesome. um, if I had this book back in the day um it would have really helped shortcut a lot of challenges I faced
0: I bet I bet I know I I that's why I said to you a little bit earlier that I recommended everyone on my team checks it out because you've got some really great stuff that would really shortcut people's way to success now when you're writing I'm sure I, I know how difficult to, it can be to write our CEO is writing a book right now and you know, obviously, you know that I write a ton here. Did you ever feel like giving up when you were writing?
1: <laughs> when didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true—not entirely true. But many times, um, it's it's a deeply personal process, um, <laughs> and the ability that there's a couple things I discovered during this writing process. Um, yes, I did feel like giving up multiple times. And the reason was, you have to have kind of this duality going on. Number one, you have to be able to see yourself and your, your life experience from an outside kind of third-party perspective, so you can actually catalog it appropriately or chronicle it appropriately. And then secondly, and it's kind of strange, you have to actually get deeply into the emotions and the feelings of those things that you're chronicling. Mm-hmm. So to be able to see it from a third party perspective, but actually still pull the emotions out of it, um, it's a little kind of a balancing act. It's quite challenging at times because you've got the natural rhythm of your life and the exhaustion you can feel on certain days and then the strength on certain days. And it's challenging to be consistent with respect to how you're writing. And I think the best way to put this is is a friend of mine, Terry Marshall said, if you really want to write honestly, you have to cut a vein and bleed on the paper. Mm. And honestly, I got to that place many times and I would, I would stop writing and look at what I wrote because it was so raw and I would start crying. Wow! Not just, And I would, I'd stop and go, wow, because I remember those experiences at times, and I'm sure all of us can relate, where we're just crying out going, I need help. Yeah, I'm drowning here. Um, But that's what this is written out of. And that's why I think people can benefit from it. It's it's not (laughs) sugarcoated.
0: Well, I definitely felt that when I was reading it, I can understand it makes more sense now that you're explaining to me how emotional and raw you were, why I think that I felt so connected to it reading it, because I could feel it, you know, just like you Mm. talked about earlier with intention and When you go into something, just considering that other person and that other mindset, you did a great job considering the other person and your third party. So great job there. Thank you. Now, in one of the bonus chapters of your book, you talk about the top 10 power phrases that you should be using right now. Could you give us some examples?
1: Sure, sure. I think, let me just go ahead and go to the whole closing conversation. And I'll give you one. I'm going to give you three. Um, This one is one of my favorites. It doubled my sales, this one question. It's the if I could, would you question. And if somebody's hesitating when you're closing, you know that everything's been positive, everything's been green light, good rapport, and you get to the closing and they start hesitating. And you say, if I could provide blank, would you? Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I could waive installation, would you be willing to move forward now as mm-hmm. opposed to later? Okay. If I could give you three months of free service right now, would you be willing to move forward now as opposed to later? Mm-hmm. So, just if I could fill in the blank, would you? That's great. And so I like it. that that was a game changer for me when I was struggling with closing. Second one is the very simple phrase i'm just curious as a preface to almost any question <laughs> it really is a humble approach and it's really if people embrace that language i'm just curious rebecca if i could provide you a way to double your sales in 90 days would you be open to hearing about that Absolutely. I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> that's right. So you get the point on I'm just curious. It's a, it's a terrific uh, opener mm-hmm. to a question. Mm-hmm. Um, third, and probably the most, one of the most powerful phrases that I've ever seen used is the phrase, would you be opposed? Hmm. And it's because most people's mindset when they're in a sales conversation is not to say yes, it's to say no. So when you use the word, would you be opposed, they have to say no in order to mean yes, which is (laughs) their natural inclination, right? Mm. So we're kind of flipping the psychology here. Would you be opposed to reconnecting with me next Tuesday at 10 a.m. so we could um, finalize our discussion? (laughs) Would you be opposed to bringing in the president of the company while I'm here so we could take a look at a couple questions I might have for him or her? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's countless ways to use this, but um, that one phrase has been one of the most uh, amazing that I've ever used.
0: I love it. And now you've you got to get, three, and to get the book to get the other ten one. Ten of them, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if you want to grab the others, be sure to to check out the book. Now, what do you think the number one reason is that people don't close more sales? What is holding people back? What's the biggest reason.
1: I um, refer to this as sales malpractice. That's, that's the number one reason. And what it is, it's diagnosing a prospect's problem and giving a solution before asking all the appropriate questions.
0: Mm. So jumping to the solution, assuming it. Assuming yeah,
1: it. I, honestly, it's, it's, it's more like showing up and throwing up. Mm. <laughs> Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a physician, if you walk into a physician's office and they sit, you sit down with them and they start asking you, one or two questions, and they don't go into any depth. They don't do any tests. So let's say this is a malady you've been dealing with for quite some time. You've been to several doctors, and nobody can quite figure it out, and somebody sits down with you and asks you two questions, says, well, here's what it is. I'm going to prescribe this for you. Now, they may actually have the solution, mm-hmm. but will you believe them? Have they done a thorough diagnosis? Mm-hmm. To be fair, I don't think a lot, of, a lot of salespeople diagnose as deeply as they could, and this goes back to the number one key that I believe is most important in selling. And that's asking the right questions mm-hmm. and really taking the effort to build out those questions. Absolutely. And don't, yeah. And then otherwise you're, 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 cre- you're uh, causing sales malpractice.
0: I like that. I I'm assuming that the naming of that probably came from your experience in the medical world too, huh?
1: Yes, that was a good connection for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Now, you are the king of cold calling. However, I do believe that you have a way for our listeners to generate leads without cold calling. Is that true?
1: It is. And I'll, I'll I'll be honest, I do not like cold calling, and this is why I developed this. And I actually had to stop cold calling because of my personal situation where I had to get off the road and do everything by phone because my wife was pregnant with twins number seven and eight <laughs> and I was traveling about 1000 to 1500 miles a week. And there was just, things were falling apart. I had to be home. Mm-hmm. So I was forced into doing this. And, um, what I found is direct mail to a landing page is for us, for our company, uh, we get a five to one up to twelve to one return on investment when we follow this protocol. And so you obviously need to find a great list of your prospects. You write a, a letter, a very short letter, that's focused on one action. And okay. the action is to go to email a specific letter. This is a this is a snail mail letter in the mail.
0: Physical letter. Okay.
1: Physical letter, yep. And I go through all of this, if you go to the com, you can um, sign up to get this whole package for free. Awesome. And yeah, it's part of some of the freebies I give on the site. But uh, just an overview is a a great mail list followed by a great letter, short, that's handwritten. So it's typed out, but you've got handwritten notes on it Mm -hmm. and you have a handwritten address put on the letter and I've got a vendor I work with that I indicate in that form uh, on that on the webpage okay. and then um, you send them to a landing page it has a video or a very short letter that has them create one more action or take one more action which is to reach out to you and it's a beautiful thing when you've got people reaching out to you uh, for lead generation instead of you reaching out to them mm-hmm. and that is exactly what allowed me to grow my business and sell that amount of money over the phone for multiple years.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I love, I don't want to go in, in into too much further detail on that because mm-hmm. I think it's worth reading about <laughs> and I really want people to check out your website and to check out your book, but really, really cool. And what a great personal personalized way to reach out to people as well. We all like that personal touch especially when it comes to sales. I mean, I can't even tell you how many blanketed copy and paste LinkedIn messages I receive from people trying to sell me things all the time and what a cut through all of the noise. This is this method is
1: totally let me just share something about that. If I may, um, I have, I had Jamie diamonds, CEO of chase, uh, call me his his assistant call me as a direct result of the direct mail piece i sent wow that's awesome yeah it happened twice wow and i was able to meet with their head of marketing worldwide
0: amazing it also but helps that's that the
1: power a, of a direct mail piece <clears throat> and
0: it helps that you've been working on your speaking skills and development skills as well this is another lesson for our sales people that are listening if we go all the way back to the point that you made earlier about listening back on what you say, I have a feeling that all of your hard work really tightening up your questions and the way that you speak and the way that you present has a lot to do with this success because you're presenting yourself in a very um, specific way.
1: Yeah, it helps. (laughs) It hurts. it hurts at first, but then it helps because <laughs> you got to deal else. with it, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, heck, I know what that's like. I l- have to listen to myself back on the show, and it is a, it is a hard thing. And I realize the things that I say <laughs> a lot, and I have to pull myself back and say, all right, don't repeat that too much. It's funny. I actually was – someone had asked to send a video. I'm, I am talking with somebody about doing a training for a conference on LinkedIn, and she asked for a video. Of me speaking and I was watching back this video that of course when you first watch a video back You're really nervous and then as time goes on you can watch yourself and it's a little bit easier But I was watching this video back noticing all of the things that I say too frequently That I shouldn't say over and over, you know You you say it too much just like that phrase right there, you Mm -hmm. know, or right or (laughs) All these mannerisms, so it's all a learning process The whole point here is that we have to really focus on it in order to improve in that area.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, I'm curious, do you plan on writing a follow-up book or any additional books?
1: There's two two things that are kind of going on in my mind right now about that. One is, and I give credit to Jim Palmer. um, He's a business coach with this idea. He said, you know, Brian, The Selling Formula is a perfect uh, intro for other books. The Selling Formula for Physicians, The Selling Formula for whatever, fill in the Mm -hmm. blank. I thought, wow, that's brilliant. I'd have to co-author that with people in certain industries, but I could see that potential. The other one that probably actually is more close to my heart is um, there's an idea that I've been toying with, and I kind of talked about it multiple times here on, on this interview, and that is, I believe you're one habit away from changing your life dramatically. Hmm. Big doors turn on small hinges, etc. cetera. And um, I could see a book, I don't know how big it would be or how long, but uh, about that whole concept I love of it. I focusing read that on book. one thing. Write it. Oh, well, thank you. I'll,
0: re- I'll read it tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it may just be a blog post. I don't know.
0: Hey, that's a good way to start off the idea.
1: Sure. Yeah. Love it.
0: Now... You wrote a book, but I'm sure you read a lot as well. I'm wondering if you have any favorite sales or business growth or business development books.
1: I've got a ton of books, but honestly, the books that have helped me the most, there's, there's two that I highly recommend, and one is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, an incredible book about resistance and how that keeps us from fulfilling our purpose. Mm-hmm. And then the other is actually in the same vein. it's called "The Obstacles the Way" by Ryan Holiday.: The obstacle Those are is the two way
0: or the obstacles:
1: The obstacle is the way.
0: The obstacle is the way.
1: Mm-hmm. interesting. It goes back to my success question that you gave me in embracing struggle. Mm-hmm. it just ties in with that and kind of my life philosophy. I think if you can embrace struggle, if you can look at obstacles as the way, um, you're 90% down the road to accomplishing what you're created to do.
0: Great. And I will throw these resources, these uh, recommendations into our show notes so that you guys can check those out later. So if you're interested in checking out the books, jump to those show notes, criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod one, two, seven. And Brian, you know that we talk quite a bit about CFS, about CFS playbooks. We talk quite a bit about sales playbooks all the time. It's all we're doing. We're always talking about playbooks. But really the intention is that we want to help other people to grow their playbooks. We want to provide solutions and ideas to continuously develop that tool. So I was wondering if you have an actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you should always have an upfront agenda that you share with each and every prospect that tells them where you're going with the sales call. So it sounds like this. Rebecca, before we get started, may I share the agenda for our conversation? Yes. You would say yes. Just three things. First, I'd like to ask you some questions about your business so I can better understand the challenges you're facing. Second, I've got a bullet point list of what's included with our system that I'll share with you. Go over that. And then third, we'll jump online and take a look at how all this works and then finish up by chatting about pricing. Fair enough? Hmm. Sounds That's what it sounds like. And it it can bring an entire room of people to attention when you share the agenda because people want to know where you're going.
0: Yeah. What to expect. Absolutely. I think the way that you explain part of this in the book is that if – you aren't leading the conversation, then the prospect is leading the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, it's very important to set that context. And you know, one of the other things—I'm not going to get into this too much because, again, I, I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> but you can see I'm really hype over here about about your book. I hope you can. <laughs> I hope you can hear um, about price. That if you don't set an agenda, buyers like to jump to the price and they want to know well how much does this cost how much is this going to cost me and they haven't had an opportunity to hear about the value that you can provide or how it solves your problems they're not even listening at that point they're really just focused on that number so I'd like that mm-hmm. you create a situation and an agenda where you say ahead of time then we'll get to the price at the end we'll talk about the money part at the end and that allows you as a seller the opportunity to really share and ask those questions first before, you know, getting shot down over price.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Hey, you said it.
1: <laughs> I'm rephrasing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually have words. something I'd like, I have something I'd love to give your listeners for free. Let's do it. Okay. Um, they, your listeners can download the first three chapters of my audible book for free at the following web address, brianrobinsonbook.com. B R I A N R O B I N S O N book.com. Just put in your email address and you can get those uh, three chapters for free.
0: Perfect. And if you're driving, I'll put them in the show notes too, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the Selling Formula website so that everybody can go grab those freebies too. Awesome. Well, Great. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was awesome.
1: That was a pleasure appreciate you having me on. It was, it was uh, very humbling. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And I can't wait to have you back when you write, you are one habit away from changing your life.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> now I've got to write it.
0: <laughs> get to work. Get to work. I'm, w- I'm waiting. That's right. <laughs> thank you, Brian. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in for today's show. Again, you can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com pod 127 and be sure to tune in next week for our new monthly series of training episodes where we will share content from our CFS training curriculum. And it'll be a great episode. Elizabeth and I have put together a great training program on collaboration for you guys, so be sure to tune in for that. And as always, make sure to take notes. If you'd like to hear last month's training, which was on creating a sales plan, we're gonna include a link in today's show notes as well just in case you wanna jump back. Again, that's criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 127. And of course, our goal is always to help you and to add value. So please, if you have feedback for us, I would love to hear it. Send it along to podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. All month, we're writing about collaboration on the blog. So be sure to tune into the blog, criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. I feel like I'm, I'm saying that website a lot today but got to get those uh, show notes out there and let you guys what's going on let you know what is going on next next month we are about to shift to our next topic which is a focus on self-awareness so be sure to tune in this month is going to be really focused on developing skills being more aware of ourselves being more present so it'll be a really great month full of blog articles and podcast episodes focused on that topic. As always, Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling.